Episode 3. I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. And transfer out, freak! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Sheep flying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-legged, and now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, 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 blah. Welcome back to Two True Freaks. This is episode three. I'm your co-freak, Scott Gardner. And I'm your other co-freak, Chris Honeywell. And, and this, I... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I, I was just going to say, this is going to be a fun topic for both of us, I think. I was going to say the exact same thing. I, I think this will be a doozy of a topic. This is uh, one we've been kind of chomping at the bit to do, and, uh, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. We are speculating on Star Wars, Episode 7. And if you don't realize that Episode 7 would be a movie set after Return of the Jedi, then, then just get the hell out of here right now. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> you don't, you, you you're got in the no, wrong place. <laughs> have enough street cred to be here. <clears throat> but, uh, but seriously, um, this was something... I can't remember which one of us came up with this idea, but it was one that I, I really wanted to tackle because we actually... Uh, you and I, Chris, have actually somewhat talk, tackled this subject before because when we were kids, um, we used to write our own scripts for something that, that we uh, we embarrassingly titled Battle in Outer Space Wars, which it started off as a parody, I, I guess parody slash homage to... Well, yeah, it followed the same story, but we had joke name. It was all jokes, joke names for all the characters, just like um, just like Spaceballs, but years before Spaceballs. I, I see. Um, I'm like the only human being alive that absolutely hates that movie. So to me, the comparison would actually go a little bit closer to Hardware Wars, which I absolutely. Yes. Loved that movie. Yes. And uh, by, by the way, to tangent just a little bit, have you seen Hardware Wars the special edition? I sure have. It, it's it's <laughs> just it's perfect. It's yep. it's just as much a parody of the special editions as Hardware Wars was a parody of the original, and it and it works great. It did it. I but still, it. nothing's funnier than the Wookiee monster. <laughs> That's the greatest gag of all Star Wars gag of all time. So imagine. Imagine Hardware Wars expanded from the what five to seven minute movie that it is into into an actual, you know, two hour a piece episode trilogy, and and you get the idea of what Battle in Outer Space Wars was. It was basically taking the the Star Wars trilogy and making full parodies of of every episode. 
and then of course we get to you know to 1983, and we were in what junior high, and you know suddenly suddenly the Star Wars trilogy's over, but we you know we we you know being Star Wars fans and, and loving the series and all, we wanted to keep it going, so we you know just kept it going. We kept creating our own stories, carrying it forward. Uh, actually, quite a while. I want to say we had like God probably a, a dozen. Yeah. Episodes and well you know, beyond. And you know, uh, it's as as we started going away from parroting the original trilogy, we were putting more and more drama in it. We had some pretty uh, pretty dramatic and overwrought parts of it, if I recall, towards the end. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that was part of the neat <laughs> thing was that, you know, something that had started as as a parody, I would say by by the second post return of the jedi episode we'd pretty much abandoned parody and gone for for straight we dramatic were, stories we were, that were sequels we were using it to sort of interpolate what would we thought would happen after star wars you know right. using using the characters that were basically the star wars character grotesque parodies of the star wars characters but they became less grotesque parodies as as time went on yeah, I would say by the final one, by by the last one that I, if I remember right, the last one you pretty much wrote on your own, and and that one to me was the best one because it, it was done pretty much as a straight drama. By the last one, I mean the names had been changed to protect the innocent, but I mean it, it was it was Luke and Han and those guys. I mean by by the end of it, it was pretty much just Star Wars, but set you know several years. Beyond Jedi, and I, I think we did a damn good job. I mean, some of them, you know, some of them were really childish because we were children, but some of them actually, you know, when I dig them out and kind of peruse them, the, the ideas weren't half bad. And I, I, I think it's some of those ideas that are going to pop up in uh, in our imagining of Episode Seven, and would also color our perception of Episode Seven if it was ever made. By Absolutely. George Lucas. Absolutely, that's a good point because um, that's already happened to me. Because again, you know, there's a lot of fandom and a lot of geekdom where I guess that's part of why we use the term freaks for ourselves. There's a lot of this geekdom where I do feel like the only person that feels a certain way uh-huh. because I feel like the only Star Wars fan. That didn't like the Timothy uh, Timothy Zahn novels. Now Timothy Zahn, I don't know if you ever read any of these, Chris, but Timothy I, Zahn, a tr- I think it was a trilogy of yes, I Jedi books. I started reading the first one, and I did not like his. That, that's my problem with the whole Star Wars. Can't the what do they call it? The expanded universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, my problem with this expanded universe is. You know, there's not too many... They just... The, the level of writing is not good. I wish they would um, get a good writer. And you, I, I remember when episode one came up uh, came out, I was uh, in the bookstore, picked up, you know, the hardcover of it and started thumbing through it. And it was just the most horrible writing, you know? It was just juvenile well, see, I- level. And, you know, it told the story... 
but you know, I just never trusted. I I enjoyed the Han Solo at Star's End and yes. the, the, those those early books. And Splinter of the Mind's Eye is is a masterpiece. It's great. It's very moody. It's well written. It was written by a real science fiction writer. Yep. And after that, I just don't trust them. I I look at them as churned out books, probably mostly by fanboy kind of people. And I don't trust them to be interesting, so I've stayed right away from it. So I have a pretty blank palette. Well, see, I was actually going in a different direction with with what I was going to – the point I was going to make was that – well, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. But, see, I was spoiled because – and this is going to sound so pretentious, but I'm really serious – the stuff that we did and the speculating we did and the stories that we wrote as children uh-huh. <laughs> were not terribly different from what Zahn did in his novel. So by the time he comes along with this trilogy that everybody saw is so wonderful and so inspired, I was really disappointed because I'm going, well, we goddamn, we were like 15 years old in writing this shit. And here this guy's a grown man being paid to come up with something original and something that's going to blow my socks off. And it's the same damn story. Because the thing that he did that that put me off was, you know, in all of the posts, and granted I have not read many of them. I did read all of Zahn's books, and I've read a, a smattering of the other ones. It's, uh, some Kevin, I think his name is Kevin Anderson. I think I read the first one of his Jedi trilogy, Jedi Academy, or something. Anyway, they're always fighting the scraps and remnants of the Empire. Now that is the exact story that you and I were telling with with our sequels when we were like fifteen, sixteen years old, and I'm thinking. Now, come on, these guys can't come up with something more original than two 16-year-olds thought of in 1983 and 4? I mean, and I'm disappointed by that. You know, I'm, I'm disappointed that nothing... And I know they tried because there was that, oh, god-awful book. I think it's called, and I may be getting this wrong, I think it's the Truce at Bakura book where they fight these, like, Gorn people. You know, that are kind of, it's like a new empire, but they're all like lizard people. I made it about halfway into that book, and it sucked so bad I didn't even finish it, which is really rare for me. I mean, usually if I start something, I'm going to finish it, and that book sucked really hard, and I just couldn't finish it. But I respect that at least they were trying to give Luke and the gang a new uh, enemy. You know, it wasn't just, you know, fighting, you know, the stormtroopers left on some garrison somewhere or, you know, some alien admiral somewhere, right. you know, it, at least they were trying to go somewhere new. And to me, the, the, the best kudos I can give in that department, honestly, and, and it pisses me off how, how maligned it is by fans, but Marvel Comics, Star Wars line. Yeah. I mean... I was just po- thinking of that. Post-Jedi... They, you know, and and I don't think a lot of people realized it at the time because that series has really taken a lot of knocks from people, and it pisses me off because it was actually very good. It was pretty decent, yeah. You know, Joe Duffy was kind of boxed in by Lucasfilm post Jedi. She was not allowed to write about the fact that Luke was Han and Leia's father, or excuse me, Luke and Leia's father. 
that that Luke and Leia were brother and sister. Um, she wasn't allowed to expand the romance between Han, Han and, and Leia. Leia. There was like all of these big revelations that happened in Jedi and all these things. She couldn't touch any of them. She could not deal with any of it. And so, I mean, where the hell does that leave you? And it, I applaud- it leaves you doing rehashes of, of stuff, you know, fighting remnants of the Empire or but she, but new she enemies. Didn't do that. But no. she, she didn't do that. She actually set off in a whole new direction. She created this whole new race that were like the Nagai or something like that. They were... Oh, God, it's been so long since I read those. But I can remember, at least as a kid, I enjoyed them. Now, maybe if I read them now as a 40-year-old, I'd look at them and go, oh, these are awful. But at the time, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. And I was genuinely heartbroken when that series was canceled. I, I had the, the distinct honor of meeting Joe Duffy at an Ithacon, you know, a couple of years after that. You know, this was years ago now. And I talked to her and, you know, and I said, you know, you know, why in the world did you guys cancel this book? You know, it was the book that got me into comics. And she said, you know what? It, it broke my heart, too. And she gave me the whole story. And then what's funny is just a, a couple weeks ago, I tracked down uh, uh, back issue number 29. It's the name of the magazine is back issue. And they do stories about, you know, comic things, you know, like behind the scenes stuff and spotlights and all. And they did an issue all about. Um, Marvel Star Wars and they did a big interview with her and she, she basically laid that whole story out again you know but this time really got it out there for people to know because this was one of those behind the scenes stories you know I mean Marvel Comics wasn't about to sling mud at Lucasfilm so they you know they didn't you know they just quietly canceled the book but there was actually some drama behind the scenes you know, and it was one of those now the story can be told kind of thing, and and it was basically with the same thing she told me at that at that convention was that, you know, it wasn't that she wanted to do it; it was that you know, Lucasfilm had become to be such dicks about it that Marvel finally decided, you know what, we think they're just trying to tell us they want out, so they canceled the book, and it was a shame because I I think they actually were going somewhere in a in the limited capacity that they had to work within. Yeah, I I never th- saw it. It actually towards the end of the run, it was getting m- more interesting. They they sort of s- it, it was weird. There was um, I can't remember the author's name, but he had an almost anime style. You know, it was a yes. very thi- thin line drawings. Cynthia Mart was the artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was great. And it was very Asian looking, and I usually don't go for that, but it worked really well for that. And it's sort of. Uh, and it sort of um, foretold, it sort of foreshadowed um, um, Clone Wars and the look of Clone Wars, you know, the very stylized aspect of it instead of uh, the, the real. And, and on the other spectrum, I always liked when, um, oh, what was, what was his name? He was, he was probably very old by the time he did it. He, um, he did the adaption of Empire Strikes Back. Oh, uh, oh, and was it Williamson? Al Williamson? Al Williamson. I yes. loved Al Williamson doing Star Wars art. He captured the way the characters actually looked. He had that photorealistic style, and he got 
he would get the spaceships right. You know, he was very he loved the graphic design of stuff. Whereas I liked his look because it was like it was like Star Wars meets Flash Gordon. Yes, you know? it, was, it was a really cool which art makes style. sense. Yeah, yeah, that, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, it was. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I basically the 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 comics and and the comics were screwed just as much in between movies. Because they really could, they really had to spin their wheels. They really couldn't like do anything with any of those characters because they had to keep them, keep them continuity-wise as close to possible as to what was going to happen in the next movie three years down the line. But I'll tell you that stretch between Empire and Jedi could could have, and really by all rights should have, totally sucked and instead i i think some of the best stories of yeah. the whole series were written between empire and jedi you know which is pretty cool when you think about it. i mean that that's a point in time that you look at and you think god how in the hell are they going to write stories for three years you know if, if you look in hindsight now you know now we can see the end of empire and we know how jedi begins and you look at that and you think, how could you tell three years worth of stories in that space of time and make it be anything that people gave a shit about, but it worked? I mean, man, they put some good stories out. And, you know, and I think it's a credit to the talent that worked on the book. I mean, they got, you know, they got uh, Walt Simonson in I there. I love Walt Simonson, oh. too. I mean, they they did some damn good stuff in in that whole in that whole era, and you know, and I hold that up as still one of my fondest comic book collections because, well, for one thing, I mean, I'm prejudiced because I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm prejudiced because Star Wars, the comic book, got me into comics. Uh huh. But still, I mean, every once in a while, I'll dig one out and and reread it. And yeah, there was some wonky issues, but overall, I mean, out of 107 issues plus plus annuals, I would say, you know, the majority of that series was, was excellent work. I mean, they got some top talent and they told some good stories. And and to me, it's really that that's the only good written Star Wars stuff that's come out. Other than, you know, the books that were coming out while the original trilogy was coming out. You know, like you cited, the, the Han Solo books, uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. And uh, and I would also one. hold up the Lando. Did you ever read the Lando books? I never did. I actually, I have them. But they, they were, they, really they came good. out, they came out right behind the Han Solo books. Mm-hmm. And that was, when it was probably, Brian, was it Brian Daly who wrote those? Oh, God, let me see. I'd have to look at my bookshelf here. I think but, yeah, it was I've Brian got- Daly and... and- and um, Alan Dean Foster wrote Splinter of the Mind's Eye. That was L. Neil Smith, who I've never... Uh-huh. Uh, that name doesn't do anything for me, but yeah, that's who wrote them. I've still got, still got my originals. And uh, yeah, those were... I mean, those were good books, too. They were, they were wonky. They were off the beaten path. And they, they were somewhat formulaic, but they, I mean, I can were, remember enjoying them. They were sideline adventures, you know. They, they, they didn't have to worry about advancing, you know. They were just a story of an adventure of, you know, from the adventures of Han Solo. And, and you know, and they were, and well, I think the Han Solo ones and Alan Dean Foster were established science fiction writers. So that's so they wrote, approached it as a real science fiction book, and they got into it. Right. It, it reminded me of uh, when, uh, like, 
book, you know, movie adaption books are usually just sort of, you know, a ghost writer sort of person writing some sort of hacky thing. But every once in a while, you get something interesting, like、uh, when the the novelization to E.T. by William Kotzwinkel, which. Like it or hate it, it was he's a interest he's a really interesting, really good writer, and they、mm-hmm. chose him to write it. And he took, he made it, you know, he put his own style into it, the way he approached it. And he actually that was even, a very different book than the movie. And then and then he it, yeah, because it was written from ET's point of view, right? So which was great because it gave you it wasn't just a flat out you know this is what happened in the movie. It gave you everything from ET's point of view. Which was and and shaded the character of ET, and it was done with style. You know, he had a very light, funny style. Like one of his novels that he wrote before that was about a rat,、uh, you know, a, a talking rat at a experimental lab. You know, and he's basically like a Nazi. You know, he's he's the rat that you know experiments.、Uh, it, Organizes the experiments on all the other animals and rationalizes rationalizes them. Very dark, and、uh, and he wrote a sequel to E.T. too. That was I can't remember E.T. and the something of the Green Planet. Yeah, you、and、know what? It, I remember you telling me about this book at, when we were kids that you had read it and you were telling me the whole story and how he had like plant friends and all these plant conversations. And I'm thinking. This sounds like it sucks so bad, and then damned if like about two—I think it's been about two years ago now—I went to、uh, Universal Studios Florida with my family, and for the first time, I rode the ET ride that they—they they have an actual ET attraction. Yes, and I'll be damned if it didn't seem an awful lot like this shitty book that you told me about when we were kids. Because you actually go to ET's planet and like meet his friends and go through like a little ET home planet adventure, it was cool, but it was really cheesy and、uh, shit. But anyway, we were talking about the ET ride, and you were saying how it was pretty cool but cheesy. Yeah, it, and and I, I'm the whole time we were riding it. I kept thinking how much it really reminded me of your description of of that book when we were kids, which to me, like, it sounded it sounded really cheesy and shitty. But well, the book was, was the book was Puff the Magic Dragon. Basically,、yeah. it was、yeah. uh, it was、uh, Elliot was growing up and ET was still connected to him, and he kept trying to communicate to Elliot. You know, he would send out a little telepathic signal, and Elliot would be playing video games, and then all of a sudden he'd see a cu- cute girl, you know, from his class, and it would ET's telepathic signal would go bouncing off him. And a lot of the there was a lot of the story about the mom in it. The mom was a major character in it, and ET was also trying to communicate with the mom. But it was ve- you know it was very well written. Very lightly, it was it was a really interesting, interesting book. You know, somebody was creative about doing it, and a lot of the Star Wars books just haven't looked like, you know, they would be very interesting to me. And I've played like the Rogue Squadron games, which probably have stories from the comics and from some of the books and stuff and characters, and 
None of it interests me at all. None of it seems to interest me. I'm, I'm very interested in the the Skywalker bloodline and the you know the, which is what the movie's following. You know that so. Well, I know that there's a series of comics out now, and and I haven't had the opportunity to check any of them out. But there's one that's out by Dark Horse. I think it's called Star Wars Legacy. And it's supposed to take place, I don't know, a hundred years or something in the future. Uh, yeah, and I've it, heard of that. And it's following like a, like a Luke Skywalker descendant. And I've heard good things, and it sounds intriguing, but I'm like you. I mean, I, I, I don't get it in a lot of ways because, you know, you and I, we love Star Wars. It, you know, it, it, it's, what, it's what cemented us as freaks. You know, it, it, it's what got us into this entire world. I should, I should feel, to me, I feel like I should feel like I felt when I was nine. Like I had to just fucking absorb it all. Yes, and I don't feel did. that way towards any of that stuff. I, I don't, I don't either. And it's weird. It's so weird to have changed so much from wanting to just absolutely suck in everything Star Wars when I was a kid to now I'm like, meh. I mean, it's really got a wow. We've I mean, learned it's really our lesson. A, I, I guess. I, I, mean, I mean, does that come from just a gluttony of Star Wars shit over the years, or, or what? What does that come from? I think it comes from a general. Well, I can't say because I haven't read a lot of. Well, when I read the first that that what was it, Timothy Zahn or yeah, uh, the the first of those books, and I remember it was like. They were looking for uh, evil Jedi, or they were looking for. There was somebody recruiting Jedi's, or and it was just I didn't like the writing style, and it wasn't very imaginative at all. You know, it I was, couldn't fault him for imaginative. What I could fault him for was that the it was very by the numbers. Yes, you know, it, it wasn't. There was no excitement to it. There was, it wasn't inspired. It didn't get me... I mean, right. I remember reading uh, Donald F. Glutt's adaption of The Empire Strikes Back before Empire came out. And I'm a slow reader. Even today, as much as I read in my life, I'm still a slow reader. I absolutely like... You know, you ever see that movie Meteor Man where the guy holds a book to his forehead and suddenly he's absorbed the knowledge of the book? Uh-huh. I swear I did that with Glut's adaption of The Empire Strikes Back because I just... Oh, yeah. Well, you were hungry for that shit. Exactly. And I should feel that way. When I pick up a Star Wars book, I should be hungry for that shit. I should just... Oh, God, i got to read this and just... You know, it's a page turn. I can't put it down and I'm just sucking it up. And instead, I pick him up, even when the premise sounds good. Oh, Han and Leia had a couple of kids. Wow, you know. Oh, uh, you know, Luke and Luke got married. Oh, wow, you know. And I pick him up, and I and I breeze through, and I read the first chapter, and I'm like, Ugh. Uh, you know, you know why? Oh, sucks. You know why? Because all the good stuff belongs to George Lucas. All the good stories, if there ever is, and I'm sure George Lucas is probably not planning on doing episode seven, eight, nine. But I'm sure he's hedging his bets, and I'm sure he he has the rights to whatever's going to happen in there. So he's not. Go- I'm sure every Star Wars book has to be checked out for by Lucasfilm to to pass. Oh, yeah, yeah he, yeah, he does. He uh, supposedly he reads them all. 
if if he doesn't read them all, somebody's reading them with a checklist of what they're not what they are supposed to let happen and what they're not supposed to let happen. So none of that stuff can truly be. They can't throw any curveballs in. They can't throw. They can't throw anything with any depth into the story. So it has to be just a battle or a strategic thing. Or you know, they can throw some romance in and make up some characters and stuff. But they can't really mess with Luke, Leia, Han, any of their kids. You know, they well, could they do it. Chew- huh? They killed Chewie. What? Yeah, they killed Chewbacca in one of the books. I've got what? I'm serious. I'm serious. It's uh, I believe it's Vector Prime by R. A. Salvatore or Salvatore. It's uh, one of the new. I can't stretch far enough to read my bookshelf. It's the new new Jedi Order. Now, granted, I have not read this book. It's on my bookshelf. I I haven't read it. But I'm told that that's the book where Chewbacca's like crushed by a asteroid or some shit. I don't know. Oh. They're they're like they're like evacuating something. I don't know. Somebody that's read this is going to write in and tell me what an idiot I am. But um, and please do because I, I don't know enough about <laughs> it to really be informed about this book. But anyway, my understanding is that there's they're they're trying to escape. Something happens. Chewie stays behind to save everybody and, and dies in the process. And I, I know that it happens in one of the books because there was a four-issue Dark Horse series, which was basically like a you know like a Chewbacca remembrance type of thing. You know where where all the characters had their like memories and and you know their moment of grief about Chewbacca. But yeah, it was a big deal when it happened. I'm surprised you didn't hear about that. Ah, because I don't keep up in that stuff. I've given up on it a long time ago. You know, maybe that's wrong of me, but I just don't care. I won't. I won't really pay attention until there's until uh, there's something that comes up and says episode seven, and then has a crawl on it. Well, the you know, only I won't. Thing I won't accept any of it as canon. None of that is canon of the Star Wars, you know. The only thing that has happened, uh, you know, in that expanded universe for me, you know, of late, so to speak, that that really got me fired up was uh, I've picked up random issues of a series that that, uh, Dark Horse did called Star Wars Empire. And it was set... uh, I don't know if it was all between Star Wars and Empire, or if it was just set within the framework of the original trilogy. But anyway, it was the the stories I read always seemed to be set between Star Wars and Empire. Uh-huh. And it was basically telling you, you know, behind the scenes stories, mostly of the Imperials. And one that I read that was really well there were two that I read that was I really I think I've read a couple of those, to tell you the truth. There was one that was like a story of a clone trooper, and all I can remember about the story is it ended with him looking out the window of the Death Star as, like, Luke's making that shot. And that was, like, how the story ended. So I can't remember anything else other than it was a cool story and that was the ending. There was another story where it was... It was it was an Imperial story, but it was really cool because it made you feel bad for an imperial and it was it was like this young commander 
and his superior officer was a fucking asshole. And they were on this planet, and it was the planet with those, like, salamander-looking people that were... There was one of them that was in Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi. And he looked like a like some kind of a flattened, like, like Gumby meets lizard kind of guy. I don't know what his name was. I know he's got a name, but I don't know what his name was. Well, this was a whole planet of those guys. And they went there... And the Empire was, like, trying to establish a colony. And they disrespected the local customs or the local, like, a sacred place. And these people just fucking annihilated all of the Imperials. And But it was basically following this one young commander and the fact that he, was, he wasn't an asshole. And he tried to tell the commander, look, you shouldn't do this or whatever the deal was. And it was following his story, basically, and how right. they were trying to fight, like, basically Custer's last stand on this planet and it was it was great it was a really good story and there was one i don't know if it took place in star wars empire but there was also a big starklighter story that was really good and some of that stuff was good but see that didn't it didn't advance the story so much as it kind of just filled in it enhanced rather than advanced yeah yeah. and and so that kind of leads me back to something you had said um you know about about you didn't think that Lucas really plans at this point to do a seven, eight, and nine, and I, I'm wondering how you feel about that because it seems to me, and maybe maybe my my memory is faulty, but it seems to me weren't we pretty much promised nine movies? Yes, we were. I, he he announced that from the beginning. That's what but, I thought. But you know, maybe he started thinking about it and how and start after. After making three of them and then doing three more, and probably you know just the amount of work and stress that was involved, he probably really started. He he backpedaled before he even started the new trilogy. He was backpedaling on seven, eight, and nine for a long time. He was yeah. saying, "Well, yeah, I said that, but I don't think it's ever going to happen." Whether he's trying to lower expectations or what, I don't know. But I well, think. I mean, it- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I, I think if there's a if there's a subtitle to this episode of ours, I think it would be, should there be one? Because that's my other big dilemma with this is that I'm I'm trying to decide if there if there never is a seven, eight, and nine, am I am I going to be disappointed? Because for the longest time, the geek in me screams, "Oh, I want I want all nine! You know, I want all nine! You know." It's what I was promised. I look forward to them since I was a kid. Well, but as much as I love Star Wars and I love his movies, I, you know, the the geek in me screams I want them, but then the realist in me looks at Harrison Ford in Crystal yeah. Skull. Hey, let's look- uh, let's uh, let's take a break and and start back up with this uh, oh, topic okay. because. I can see it going. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about should it be done, and then we'll talk, and then we'll get into the real meat of what we would do. <laughs> okay, we've already talked about how the rest of them has screwed it up and not done it perfectly like us. <laughs> so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to step up and uh, and uh, go to bat and tell them how we would do it. Which we are fully prepared to do. I have 15 pages of organized notes. Oh, shit. Yep, we'll be right back. Sometimes a superhero comes along who is so iconic 
so majestic that only the finest of musical composers can compose his theme music. And sometimes you get superheroes that get this. Plastic Man! Plastic Man! Plastic Man! He's a real good guy in a bright red suit. And he always wears goggles and a belt that's a beaut. He was a crook, but he reformed and then he reformed and reformed and reformed again. Plastic Man, Plastic Man, the one, the original Elastic Man, always in great shape for the shape he's in. The fantastic. his arms till they touch the sky and stretch his legs till he's so tall he could bounce the moon like a basketball plastic man plastic man the one the original elastic man always in great shape for the shape he's in the fantastic off at the end of the last part before our little break there and Prick. we were talking yeah i know that's what that's what i'm here for all right so, so uh, we, were, we were talking about um whether star I, trek the motion or no we were talking about star wars yes <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> no, star I'm, wars I'm that's right yeah, star wars that was it no i'm and, kidding and whether whether we really want an episode seven or not whether, okay whether we I, actually I have, would like him to do another trilogy and you know, I have just... two trains of thought on this because as soon as I, as like I say, when the realist in me kicked in, the first thing I thought of was, you know what? 
God damn, these people are getting old. And I mean, that's not the... F- Everybody gets older. I, you know, I don't look like I looked 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know? But I looked at Harrison Ford in The Crystal Skull. I look at Carrie Fisher, and the last thing I saw her in was uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, and she was looking kind of matronly in that one. Well, you know, I don't want to be harsh because, you know, I love the woman, you know. I lusted after her body in Return of the Jedi. But, you know, I I look at her now, and I think of uh, Ash in uh, Army of Darkness going, Honey, you got real ugly. You know, and, and she just doesn't oh, she look got, good. She got older, you she know. She got older, yeah, you know, and that was harsh. But, yeah, she did. She just got older. You know, the only one that might have hold, held up is Mark Hamill. But then, you know, about the time I was kind of resigning myself to the fact of, you know what, it's it wouldn't work. It would never happen. I could of all see how that. stilted it would be if they attempted but, to make a movie with those with them as their but, three characters. Yes, but then I thought of Mark Hamill. Now, what has Mark Hamill been doing more of than anything since the end of the Star Wars trilogy? Voiceover. He does. Voiceover. He does animated characters. Now, imagine Star Wars episode. Imagine a new Star Wars trilogy, a post Jedi Star Wars trilogy, animated with the original voices. You could get away with that. You could I mean, get away you, you with don't, that. You'd only have to get four people. You'd well, have the, to get Harrison Ford, Anthony Daniels, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill. And actually, in all reality, I've heard some um, hey records and things from when hey, we were hey, kids. Hey, hey, hey. Don't forget that, Billy D. Uh, well, see that that's part of that. That'll lead into where I want to go with what are our expectations? What would we like to see? Now, I'm not going to slight Lando, you know, he's the only black guy in the trilogy, so I don't want to, you know, I don't want any of that hate mail. I, I'm not saying anything about Lando, but part of my expectation is I want them to, for one thing, you know, I, I one of the things that did bug me about the end of Marvel's run was by the final issue of Marvel's Star Wars comic, every fucking person that had ever been in Star Wars was in that issue. It was like they, they threw you everybody and the kitchen sink. And and if they do a post-Jedi Star Wars series, you know, I mean, really, does Lando... I mean, Lando doesn't strike me as a joiner. And for that matter, neither does Han Solo. But, you know, I can see Han sticking around if he and Leia truly do hook up. And that's actually another point I'd like to see them. But talking about Lando strictly, I mean, Lando really, do you see him sticking around and helping form a new government? I see him, like, you know, going back to Cloud City or maybe finding some new business opportunity. And maybe he would appear as somebody that they, they go to for something or, you know, somebody that they call on the cell phone and say, hey, hey, Lando, how's it going? You know, somebody that they mentioned. But I mean, really, would he still be hanging around with the Rebels 20 years later, 30 years later? I, you know, I don't, I just don't think so. Well, really, I mean, Star Wars is about the Skywalkers and the droids. Right. Lucas, see- Lucas always said the droids are the only, the only factor that's going to be in every movie in common with every movie right 
And I mean, we don't see everybody that was in the prequel trilogy. We don't see those people in the original trilogy, you know, other than, you know, the droids and and Ben Kenobi. I mean, who carried over? Now, granted, Um, he probably hadn't invented. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you. Jar Jar is not mentioned, you know. I mean, great. Yeah, alright. Okay, you're shooting up <laughs> my theory now. I'm just taking pot shots here from from this side. But, but you know, I mean, technically, though, because since those movies were made afterwards, they were just, you know, it's, it's, it's not really continuations of those characters. He put those characters in the first trilogy to make sure that they would resonate with the second the second trilogy instead of vice versa if he'd made them in chronological order but you know let me what, what, change what, you for a second and ask you because i i know that you had told me uh, off air that you're watching the movies how, how far have you made it in that in that watching them in order thing i just finished episode two. Oh, okay i'm curious how you'll think four meshes up with three, because uh, I'm telling you, I, you know, I'm I'm one of the the more forgiving people I know about the original about the sequel trilogy, you know, the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Because I don't hate them. I, I I actually enjoy a lot of them, even of Episode One. I, I mean, it's kind of grown on me over time. I watched Episode One the the other day, and I enjoyed it all the way through. As a matter of fact, I noticed. The whole scene where um, Obi-Wan tells Qui-Gon, you know, I'm sorry I failed you as a Padawan, and Qui-Gon tells him, no, actually, you're, you're smarter than me, you know? And then I realized that Anakin and Obi-Wan had that same sort of scene in reverse at the end of Episode 3. Right. And I thought that was a really neat little resonance that Lucas knew that he was going to do when he was doing episode one, you know, he knew that was going to be in episode three too. Right. And it was just, it was neat. It was a neat, you know, it showed it, there's, there's layers to it now that you see now that the other two movies are made. I do think that he, if you look at the prequel trilogy within just those three movies, I do think that he had a lot more well planned and and yes. well thought out than people give him credit for. I do think that there's a lot of layers that people didn't pick up on, and a lot of subtlety and and a deepness of story that's unappreciated in that trilogy. It's because it's because the critics and the general audiences who just go to it like who aren't Star Wars fanatics but still like Star Wars movies, like my mom. Right. My mom goes to see all the Star Wars movies because she has fun. But she doesn't pay enough attention to it to, like, <clears throat> notice the details that, that... And it's the same with the average critic, you know. There would be an aside or a look from one character to another that, like, would convey more meaning because we're paying more attention to all the details, you know. Right. Star Wars nerds, we're eating up every little detail and trying to figure out how it fits. So, you know, that's, I I always, whenever I would read a review of any of the movies, I usually would figure, you know, for the most part, you could tell the reviewers who were just like, 
Yeah, they were movie reviewers, and Star Wars was nothing more to them than just a really good movie, and they enjoyed seeing Star Wars movies. And even when they gave a good review, they still, that there were things in it that they didn't understand. You know, they were like, like episode one was really criticized for having a convoluted plot, but now in the context of all three movies, the plot is not as complicated as it seems, and it makes more sense, you know? Plays out, yeah. And yeah, like, the, And, like, all the fervor over the midichlorians, where everybody... I, I just figured out what what why he wrote... You know, everybody's like, why? Why is he ruining this by putting the midichlorians in? The reason he put the midichlorians in is to explain why Darth Vader can't do all the things that Anakin could do, you know? Even with his, because he was missing so many chunks of his body that his connection to the force was weakened, you know, because he had less physical body. And that's what, that's the only reason I think he wrote the midichlorians in there. I don't think it was to explain how the force worked. It was to explain why, you know, why, because Anakin had some pretty... Had some pretty honed powers, you know, right? Of foresight, which all would have aided Darth Vader immensely, you know. And why couldn't Darth Vader toss people around? And you know, yes, he's been almost, you know, he's half machine. But if he's so powerful with the Force, it shouldn't matter, you know. If you are a telekinetic master, as long as your brain is intact, but the midichlorians explain why he's he's only functioning at like one fourth power because he's just a torso. <laughs> I think that's basically that's basically how it is. And, and at the end of episode two, he loses a little more power too because he gets his arm chopped off. Just once, I'd like to hear him say, "I'll bite your legs off." <laughs> oh man! Well, anyway. I would be up for a George Lucas made seven, eight, and nine, but only on the. I would I would be into it. Way more. If it doesn't concern, the main characters as much as maybe the next generation, the children of, Luke and somebody, and oh, it doesn't matter. Leia's children actually. Luke could be a dead end because he he's a like lone Jedi. So technically, he shouldn't even be getting married. But Leia and Han, their kid, their, their kid could, you know, could be about their children. Now, as to what the conflict would be, that's hard to say. Where, oh. where, you know? But if it was about a new generation, so it was new characters, and maybe, maybe you could get like. Luke or Han Solo to make an appearance or to have some sort of thing in the story, but you'd have to do it well so it wasn't just sort of a walk-on of a character, you know, which George Lucas is... He could do that, you know, he could very well make it like a cheesy walk-on, but it would be cool if they you work one or two people in. I would prefer Harrison Ford because he's a you know just the best actor in all of 
the whole, you know, all the Star Wars movies. So he would, he might what? approach it better. But you know, Luke would be Luke would make more sense. But to well, have, an, ask o- you, have I... an older Luke, an old Luke, and have him be just sort of peripheral in the story, or maybe he dies in the beginning. That's a, yeah, that's a good idea. See, that's that's what I was going to ask you is. To me, that's probably the hardest thing I would have to decide is what, where exactly would I want the story to tell? I mean, would I want it like we got with Indy where they acknowledged that 19 years went by, so the movie was set 19 years later? I mean, would we want to acknowledge that 31, well, let me see, from 1983, that's what? 25 years? Would we want to acknowledge that 25 years have gone by? That's about or, right. That's about right. That would actually be about right in the context of the Star Wars movies, because doesn't doesn't new isn't a New Hope about twenty? It's about twenty years after it's, episode I three. I think it's supposed to be nine, 19, 20 years. Yeah, something like that. Well, Luke yeah. is Luke is twenty years old in it because I remember. When Star Wars came out, it was always Luke Skywalker, a 20-year-old farm boy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it is 20 years later. So, it would be it would be about right. It would be about which one, means, one generation, which means which they got to do it pretty soon. <laughs> that means that if it took them 20 years to make the Death Star, then they must have had the Georgia Department of Transportation building the fucking thing if it took them that long. That's all I can think of. But well, they, uh, pro- they probably had to do it slowly and in secret. You know, they were doing it somewhere. See, that's, or they didn't that, start, or they didn't begin to do it until you know a certain time. Maybe they were just gathering money and resources to build it. And see, I've always kind of considered that that scene we see at the end of episode three with like a like a basic outline of the Death Star. I think a lot oh, of that's people right took that to mean that that was like immediately post you know the death of Padme and all and I kind of wonder if maybe that scene was actually supposed supposed to be a flash forward into the future a little bit maybe maybe it was a few years later you know what I'm yeah. saying yeah I, I don't I Grand don't Moff know Tarkin is still young he's younger in it so it was definitely not like right before episode four. But right. Yeah. In the future, once he's, it was like a moment in the future, probably when Vader was reflecting on Padme or his past, you know, it, and and it was an opportunity to show the Death Star too. But you I mean, know, like I say, I think I give the the prequel trilogy a hell of a lot bigger break than most people. But that is that is probably my biggest pet peeve is thinking about all the things that don't mesh between the two trilogies is 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 very similar to like the shit that really makes my head hurt with like Enterprise and then like the original Star Trek or like the first Planet of the Apes movie and like the last two Planet <laughs> of the Apes movies where you're just like how the hell does this all mesh up it just doesn't you got you, there comes a point where you've either got to accept that they don't or you've got to realize that um, the elder Ben Kenobi was a pathological goddamn liar uh-huh. because, like, every line he utters in the original Star Wars trilogy, if you go by the prequel trilogy, every line he utters is a complete lie. So <laughs> that's the only way I can I can justify it. 
But uh, which is very unlike Ben Obi Wan Kenobi in the first trilogy. Yeah, I mean, he comes across as very noble, very very knightly. But then you take him in the later trilogy, and I'm serious. If I'm curious what you're going to think when you're when you're done watching them in 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 that order, because I did that not long ago. I watched them in that order, and I was unpleasantly surprised by how differently I view the original trilogy now because it does paint Ben Kenobi in a really unfavorable light. I mean, he really comes across as a really lying asshole, you know? um, I think the, the first trilogy sort of was showing... The Jedi at a point, you know, the point, the fact that the Jedi all get killed out by the dark side, it's all the, it's all the machinations of the Force anyway. You know, Darth Vader was born, Darth Vader was born probably to check the Emperor, but the Emperor wipes out all the Jedi, and I think it, I, a lot of, um, uh, my friend Mark came up with a bit of this theory when we would theorize about. That and, and he thought the first trilogy, a lot of it was about how the Jedi had become, you know, too too confident and relied too much on technology and were too smug about their omniscience mm-hmm. that they ju- that it's their total downfall and they end up all wiped out because of it. And uh, the second trilogy is about the Jedi starting from ratty scratch. And getting their no and getting the nobility of the of the Jedi back, and Ben Kenobi, like Ben Kenobi is very, like the Ben Kenobi from the first trilogy, wouldn't have lied about anything. He would have just like left something out, you know, or phrased it. And you could argue that when he said, you know, Darth Vader killed your father, that that's all, you know, he was being metaphorical, you know, so he wasn't technically lying. Right. But, or the fact, you know, that that Anakin, you know, that that Anakin Skywalker died the moment, you know, he said, arise, Darth Vader, you know, at that moment that, you know, he had forsaken that, so he had killed you know, Anakin Skywalker at that point in time. So you could, you could argue that, but, you know, it was just because, obviously, George Lucas didn't, when he wrote that first script, didn't foresee right. where he was going to go with it and had to sort of cover it, cover his tracks. And I don't, I don't mind that that much, you know. Sometimes I think, like in the first trilogy... And towards the end of the second, the, the, the or, or in the the first trilogy is in one, two, and three, and in the the original trilogy, towards the end of it, towards Jedi, that that sometimes George Lucas tries too hard to refer to himself. He tries too hard to make sure that he gets the shot of this character, or that character, or you know, to add add something in. And where I'd rather almost have him adding something new, you know, I I mean. <clears throat> Episode one through three, we never really needed to see Jabba the Hutt ever again. People like seeing Jabba the Hutt, but there's no reason to see Jabba the Hutt, you know. And 
there's just kind of a stretch, you know. There's there's sometimes kind of a credibility stretch as to who's gonna, you know, who walks by who and at, at a certain time and who's in the background of here and there. And that annoys me. So I wouldn't like I I would like to avoid any of that in a, in a further trilogy. I would I would like to maybe have a character or two in common, but you know. We don't need to see a shot of the, you know, like in the, the, you can see the Millennium Falcon here. It's like, why in the whole universe would you have to have the Millennium Falcon show up somewhere? You know, right. just for some fan to see and go, oh, there's a Millennium Falcon. Well, you know, in reality, you're not probably not going to see any spaceship. Is that in the prequel trilogy? Is uh -huh. the Falcon? Is it really? Mm -hmm. Where is it in the prequel trilogy? I can't remember if it's episode one or two, but there's some shot of them coming in for a landing somewhere, and there's a Millennium Falcon. No way. Sitting, it's it's like sitting, getting ready to land. Oh man, now I'm gonna have to go back and watch them again. I had none. The uh, see, I don't. Uh, that yeah, that does bug me. That really does. You wouldn't. And you, you wouldn't notice it. I saw it on the, you know, somebody had it on the internet and said, look for it at this part. And then it's like, oh, sure enough, you can see it, you know. But it, yeah. it's not anything readily apparent, but just the fact that it has to be in there. And it's like, oh, well, that's when the Millennium Falcon was made by blah, blah, blah. Or, oh, that's just another of that type of ship, you know. Yeah, see, that that is one of the things that bothered me is, you know, this is supposed to be a galaxy. I mean, it's even bigger than Star Trek. You know, Star Trek takes place in, like, a, a, a small portion of a galaxy, in a, in a quadrant. You know, supposedly, the Star Wars universe takes place in an entire galaxy, which is, you know, thousands Humongous. of planets. And, you know... In the in six movies, you know that takes place in this span of time. I mean, like you pointed out earlier, how many characters do we see over and over and over? And it's like, oh, come on. Well, for one thing, if we never fucking see the planet Tatooine again, yeah. I, you know, I would be so happy. I mean, it's in five of the six movies. That that's you know, do we really need to see that same damn planet that many times? It's ridiculous. But. uh that plays into uh, another question I had of, you know, our, our, our hopes and fears. You know, what, what would we love to see if they do one? And what would we absolutely just cringe if we saw, you know, if they, if they make another one? And, you know, where, where, what do you think? I'll let you go first on that one. I would totally cringe at the thought of Luke, Leia, and Han, and Chewbacca, you know somehow all being the main characters of it to where they'd re rely on the actors or they'd try to or try to find other actors that they could get that look like them or however they would try to but do if that they, I would cringe at that but if they did it as a as an animated and I doubt that they would do it that way but if they did do it say as an animated movie set not as many years ahead as we actually are say say it was a, a, a trilogy done you know 20 years later you know which is still five years less than we actually are away from it 
and they did it animated. I mean, do you think that then they could get away with it being, you know, Luke and the and the and the classic characters as the main characters, or would it still have to be more about a new generation of of Star Warriors, as it as it were? It's hard to say because, really, like the first six, who's it? You know, who's in common? It is Darth Vader. Those six movies are all the story arc of Darth Vader, right? And combined with the you know the story arc of the Skywalkers, so and Darth Vader dies at, re- at the end of Return of the Jedi, so it becomes it becomes a sort of sticky. You'd have to figure out what the story arc would be. And it could only be a three-movie story arc. It couldn't be six movies. So you'd have to have something that only evolves, and and it would probably be a kid of Luke and Leia. And what would be the Luke and Leia? That's or, sick. Well, well, Luke and Han. Or, Luke no, and Han. That's Chewie even and, worse. Chewie and Leia. Wait, I'm getting confused. It would be the child of Yoda and IG-88. <laughs> that would be a damn good movie right there. <laughs> I'll just mention it's 3.24 in the morning. <laughs> but this is how we roll. <laughs> this, is how, this is how the conversations always go down. So I, I tell you, here, the biggest thing I would like to see, and and this will probably put some people off, but this is this is the biggest thing that if they could do it, I I would I would almost not even care what else they did. I would like to see the story start out, and at some point Han comes back because he and Leia didn't ever hook up. That at some point. Post Return of the Jedi, they didn't work out, and Han and Chewie split. They took off. He's he's done his own thing all these years. Somehow there's a new adventure. Something new happens, and Han comes back, and and he and Leia, you know, they don't reconcile. I don't want any of that, you know, Indian Marion shit. They still don't get along. There's still bitterness because of the way they broke up and shit. I, I would really like to see that. I would like to see them realistically portrayed as two people. They gave it a shot. It didn't work out. Now they're thrown back into a situation, and they fight like they did in in, in the original Star Wars, where there's like a sexual tension, but now it's a se- sexual tension mixed with a, this is my ex tension, you know? Because I'm telling you, as I've gotten older, the whole thing with, with Han and Leia kind of grates on me. I just don't think I really ever bought it. You know what I mean? I mean, the guy's a fucking pirate, you know? He's a smuggler. She's a princess. What what the hell do they well, have in common? That's always how it is. It's always the opposites attract. But I think the practicalities of all of it would have been... Yeah, yeah very exactly. Hard on an actual relationship. Yeah, exactly. I would, I would have them have a kid, and have Luke would have the kid yeah. as a Padawan. That, yeah, be, that'd be. I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine that with the fact that you know that they that they you know had a child. Yeah, yeah, I'd be perfectly fine with that. But I'm just saying, I 
I, I think the story would have a whole new level of realism and believability for me personally if they didn't work out. Okay, if some- I just got an idea. Yes, this is perfect. You know why? Because it, it's the whole divorce story, right? And you could get Spielberg in Yes, on. exactly. Spielberg yep. loves the divorce dynamic. Yep. He loves it because his parents were divorced. And, he, you know, he's always working that into his movies. And you could have... And basically, if, if Luke took on their kid as a Padawan, no matter how old they have him in the movie, he could be in his... He could be, you know, 20 years old by that time. You know, they could have had the kid five years after Jedi and not made it much further after that. But by the time the kid was like six or seven years old, he was probably being trained by Luke and was probably more like Luke's kid, you know, as a a Jedi. You know, he was sort of away from his family. And that's when, and that could be where Leia and Han, you know, split apart. And yeah, and 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 that would be an interesting dynamic with an adventure with Luke. Their Luke son is, and yeah, Luke is, yeah. You know, I, I could see a I could see a dynamic playing out very similar to to Episode Two. You know, where where Kenobi was, you know, older. He was the master, and 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 you know, uh, Anakin was, you know, what was he twenty ish? Uh huh. And. Uh, you know, being the being the hot-headed young learner, or whatever. You know, I I I think that could be a, a good a good dynamic. I you know I, I'd like to see either a you know I, I think I'd much rather see that type of a story than a than a Luke eventually succumbs to the dark side, which for some reason seemed to be so inevitable feeling to so many people. I mean, I know that we did it in our scripts. Uh, it of was done we were in twelve years old too. Well, I mean, but it was also it was done in uh, in the Star Wars expanded universe, you know. It, uh, in the, I don't know if it was confined just to the Dark Empire series, but it was done in there. And see, again, that was one of those stories that lost its punch for me because I'd already seen it. You know, I'd already envisioned it myself. So as cool as the story was, I it, think it's redundant. Yeah, because Luke had his struggle, his struggle with the dark side. His his chance to have his struggle with the dark side was with the Emperor and Darth Vader. Oh, that's a good on, point. On that shit, that was that was the point when Luke could have turned if he was going to turn. But at that point, it's shown that he's resolute that he's not going to. So why should things change? You know, yeah. he redeemed his father at the end of that that movie. You know, what's gonna what's you know he doesn't have a, he, he doesn't have a mother. Father Leia's his only his only family, you know. What does he? What what could what could happen to him that would? And he's an adult. What could happen to him that would ter- wrench him to the dark side? It would, pro- you know. At that point, there's really nothing. So it's just redundant. It's just a rehash, sort of 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 that. So I I've always hated that that idea too. But um, let's come let's come back to that. In the in the next segment. Cool. After we hear from this. Everyone's with Captain Kirk. I'm Captain Kirk. And now sit back and relax as we uncork a bottle of vintage Kirk. Brought to you by Master of Motor, William Shatner. 
This is the captain speaking. There's an imposter aboard the ship. A man who looks exactly like me and is pretending to be me. This man is dangerous. Utmost caution is to be observed. All crew members are to arm themselves. The imposter may be identified by scratches on his face. Repeat. The imposter may be identified by scratches on his face. All hand phasers must be set on base cycle. Stunning force. The imposter is not to be injured. Use minimum force. Repeat. I'm the imposter is not to be injured. All right, we're we're talking about Star Wars Episode Seven, and actually, what you're hearing right now is like us basically planning out how we would. We haven't really discussed this at all before this, or you know, really since we were little kids um, hashing out Battle of Outer Space Wars, but we're. It's uh, um, we're basically just sort of figuring out how we would write the script to episode seven. How we would script is how it's working out. You know, we've if right now we're working it out to where if it had the characters of Han, Luke, Leia, and all and all that, um, we haven't really approached like if they if those characters weren't in it and it was maybe a different generation like Han and Leia's son, but. We have we have basically our idea as it stands right now. Are all those characters alive? Han and Leia have had an unsuccessful relationship that has spawned a child who is now Luke's Padawan. We haven't really like discussed whether it's a boy, little boy or a little girl. I think a little girl would be interesting. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. I, somehow I envisioned a boy, but yeah, a, a girl would be very interesting. It would add a. It would add a. A, a little, a little different twist to it, and, and since the first trilogy really established that there were female Jedi's, you know that that really being male or female didn't really sort of affect being a Jedi. So, I think it would add a, a, a new layer to it. And uh, well, in the expanded universe, girl. they actually had twins, and I don't know how I feel about that. I, I don't know. Well, if Luke, that would... Luke and Leia were twins, so yeah. There's, there's that, that, but, or twin, twins would be, twins would be very interest, would be in, very interesting as, uh, as they were being trained as Jedi, especially if they were identical twins, that, that sort of share, like, there's, you know, whether it's true or not, but there's always the story of the identical twins sort of share a mind. So a well, Jedi. Could be interest- it could be interesting depending on what, what the, the the peril of the plot is that maybe one of them you know is really following Luke's teaching and really going along with him and the other one is drifting you know and and that could be a point of of some conflict a point of contention sure. with the story well it would also be it would also be really interesting if there were identical twins and one of them's heading towards the dark side you yeah, that's what? what I mean. And one of them's heading towards the light, the light side, and they're and they're connected. So if one, if one's got, you know, which one is going to end up pulling the other, you know, pulling the other? When can one pull the other one back, or is the other one going to pull the one over into the dark side once he goes, or you know, what's how would that happen, or is one of them going to have to like kill his 
his brother or his sister or, or whatever is one of them going to have to and how would that be what would that be like being a Jedi who shared a mind with their evil identical twin and you have to kill them <laughs> that could be really that's pretty intense <laughs> for a Star Wars movie but then again episode 3 had Anakin slaughtering children this is true. He was killing children in episode two, actually, with the sand people. He made sure that he mentioned it, you know, specifically. Not just the men, but the women, too, and the children. <laughs> and actually, now that I think about it, though, it sounds very similar to my vague recollections of the, uh, the Star Wars uh, Jedi Academy video game. Because that that game was kind of neat because it had a an almost choose your own adventure type of feel to it. Because there's a part in the game where you have to decide whether this character, you know, sticks to the light side or falls to the dark side. And the and the game had a different ending depending on which which way you went. And really, the only thing that I can remember was that the game was a hell of a lot harder if you fell to the dark side, because then you had to end up fighting everybody as opposed to just fighting, you know, the evil, the evil Sith characters. guys. If you fell to the dark side, then you had to fight the evil, evil Sith guys and the Jedi, so it was kind of a bitch. But I played it both ways, and I'll be damned if I could tell you how now it, you know, how it ended. But, but it does... Now that I think about it, it, it sounds kind of similar. I, I guess that plays into what what would we want the threat to be? Because I know what we don't right. want it to be. I don't want it to be the Empire again. And, you know, and actually the whole, like, story about being pulled to the dark side's already been done, too. So, you know, it would have to be... There would have to be some new... It would ha you know, it has to have more reson re resonance than just three adventures, you know. It has to have some sort of wide story arc that reflects into the other other movies. Because, you know, there's, I mean, direct reflections. The end of episode one is the same as the end of episode four, almost down to the way the, the people look at each other and R2-D2 whistles you know there's there's all that resonance so there's gonna have to be that same resonance from the other movies into this so you're gonna need some sort of but i just hate the idea of like there's an alien race that's gonna try to take a, you know or something that basically becomes the empire that fills a place of it see that's the thing is that you know there's only two plots that immediately come to mind. Well, actually, three, I guess. There's Remnants of the Empire. There's a whole new threat as far as a new race, you know, lizard people or Borg or whatever comes in. Or the Sith is on the rise again, you know, which that one's been done to death, too. So basically... But if there's Jedi, you'd I, have to have Sith, probably. Well, I don't know. Do you really, though? I think I mean, probably in the ordered Force universe that, you know, the, the, the two... And the Jedi can be, uh, you know, the Sith. There's only two Sith at a time at all times. Or, you know... But, see, I'm saying, you know, we, we've already admitted that, you know, the, the whole fall to the dark side thing's already been done. The, yeah. the, the, the whole, you know... 
you know, the Jedi will pay for what they've done. You know, that whole thing's been done with, you know, Darth Maul and the and the tooths, you know, the, the master and, and apprentice Sith. So I almost wonder if you need... I mean, you know, yes, I think Luke needs a Padawan, but other than that, you know, other than seeing the beginnings of a new Jedi Order, do we really need a Jedi threat per se, or can the new threat be enough of a of a threat to sustain the entire the entire movie? You know, I, I guess this is going to sound like a seriously lame answer for me, but my answer would be, I want to see the unexpected. I want the threat to be the last thing I could think of because I, I, you know, I would like to maintain that George Lucas is smarter than I am and that he would come up with a much better plot than I could think of myself. And, 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 and that's what I want. I, I want him to, to just wow me with his imagination again, like he did in 1977 and in 1980 and give me something I didn't see coming, something that, that, blows me away all well, a new well here's an, another thing is that an aspect of the stories that sort of got added in the new trilogy is uh the communing with the past dead jedis you know uh you know yoda telling kenobi i just learned how to talk to qui-gon and that was a new thing that was something they just figured out so that sort of explains why ben was able to come to luke after he died Right, which means that Ben at that po- point was also, you know, in in communication with Qui Gon and and by the end of Jedi Yoda too. So basically, if there's stuff happening, if Luke's still doing, Luke should technically be able to communicate with all those guys with Anakin. With so so that could open up another aspect. I'm not exactly sure what, but um, and that that would also make difficult difficulties in making it to a movie because obviously you're not going to have Alec Guinness in it, and 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 uh, but that 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 could possibly people, be a story element. I wonder if people would accept. Um, Ewan McGregor doing Ghost Kenobi. It wouldn't make sense though, because in all the other movies, it was Alec Guinness, <laughs> so it wouldn't make sense. It's sort true. Of, but um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard to hard to think what the what would be a good threat. You know, what would be a good. Or if not a threat, a source of conflict, right? That would, you know, I mean, I would not want it to be about how Han and Leia reconcile and yeah, and that's your that. B, that's your B plot. That that know, would that, be all. That would I I wouldn't as like you said, I wouldn't even want them to reconcile. But there would be a good, or they, you know, maybe they'll make peace, but not maybe get back together or whatever. Yeah, definitely not a get back because that. Oh. That was one of my real <laughs> sources of, of irritation with the last with the new Indiana Jones movie, and I don't know, I won't even get off onto all that. But th- those kind of things where somebody hasn't seen somebody in twenty years, they had some sort of bitter falling out, 
And then over the course of two hours, they're going to realize, oh, you know what, we really, we really were perfect for each other. And then they're going to reconcile. And then, you know, now they're all happy and getting married. I'm mean, like, come on. I've seen that and seen that, you know. I'm, oh, that drove me nuts. It really drove me nuts. You know, for, so for 20 years, they haven't seen each other. Now they get back together and then they're like, oh, you know what, let's get married. What? Well, the, thi- the thing about it is, as Star Wars movies, they're going to have to have action in them. They're going to have to have great action sequences, which, like, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, certainly, and... and um, Mark Hamill? Mark Hamill might not be... I mean, I mean, Harrison Ford just barely pulled it off for... For Indiana Jones, he pulled it off. It worked. I never felt like he was over the hill. But by the time a Star Wars movie, you know, having, you know, you just, you and and you have to up the ante from the the new trilogy. So you're gonna have to have some really great space battles and different kinds of chases. Some sort of hot rod vehicle that 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 gets flown really fast through something. You know, you just need those are just the basic elements of the set pieces of Star Wars movies. So you need to have some sort of adventure. It has to be an adventure taking place, you know. You can have drama and, and stuff like that, but there has to be that adventure that just sort of hooks it all together, you know. Or, or everything else hooks it all together so you can have the set pieces, but they sort of work together to... You know, you're gonna need you're gonna need some form of pod race or Ugh. Death Star battle or you know something like that. You know, a set piece or a or a you know a speeder bike chase. You know, you need those those it's elements not, of it. It wouldn't be very imaginative, but I know where they would get my ticket money in a heartbeat is if they just did three movies of a big Gungan hunt. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> That's a rea- that could be a, just a great reality show. Yep. Gungan hunt with some redneck guy, you know. <laughs> just like... <laughs> See here, it's a hidden city. Take that, you son of a bitch. Blam! What yeah, I'd, I'd, pay to, I'd pay to see that. <laughs> Next episode, we'll show you how to gut him. I mean, that's what kept me playing Star Wars Battlefront for so many games over and over again, was just keep going back to that planet and just shooting Jar Jar over and over again. It was very therapeutic. By episode two, Jar Jar's existence is, in the movie is, is pretty much explained. It's, he's an idiot. <laughs> and it's like, why did they put this idiot in? It's like, oh, because he's, he's like an idiot who just happened by luck to become... A general in the army because he was in the right place at the right time and hooked up the right people. He became a general, and even though he was incompetent, and then though they won the battle that he was a general in, so then he became like the replacement for for Amidala. So when she couldn't be in on the vote, he was there to get manipulated by Palpatine into voting the. He was the swing vote, voting ultimate power to Palpatine. So it's just like, oh, okay, so he was an idiot, you know, who just by luck got him into a political position that he wasn't mentally prepared to 
to handle and ended up fucking everybody over the entire galaxy over. So, yeah, there's good reason to hate Jar Jar. <laughs> but you know, he never really bothered, he was never really a big, nothing, I don't know, I, I just, I can't, when I watch a Star Wars movie, I'm nine years old, you know, to, to some degree, and there's things that I watch that I go, but the fact is, none of it really, like, bothers me, or, like, none of it's ever really, like, ruined it enough to just, like, spoil the experience for me, I still love it, and watching episode one again, I enjoyed it, although I didn't. Episode I two had some groany parts, and so did episode one, but I enjoyed yeah. both of them. I didn't hate him, but you know, if he if he'd had gotten like horribly chewed up in some giant piece of machinery, I wouldn't have been real upset about it yeah, either. So. Yeah, it would have been amusing. <laughs> so, uh, so does that cover us on episode seven? Well, I don't know. We sort of haven't, we, we, you know. We, we've sort of left it to the point of where we couldn't figure out of a, a good, <laughs> good enemy or antagonist. I, I, I honestly, I, I think I'm, I'm going to cop out on that one and say I, I, I would leave that to. Uh, I know what I don't want to see, so I'd have to leave that to to Lucas as far as you know, giving me a threat that I, I think is worthy of you know. Of a new trilogy, you know, of the of the same characters in a in a new trilogy, you know, a, a new enemy, a new threat, and I, I, honestly, I I don't know, I can't come up with anything that I that works for me that I haven't already, you know, heard of or or whatever. Um, I mean, you know, I've, any ideas I've got just don't seem they either seem derivative or they just don't seem like a big enough threat or they seem like a rehash of of what we've already seen and that see that's what I I don't want I, I, I would leave it to Lucas to you know to give me something original and maybe that's maybe that's why we haven't seen a sequel trilogy maybe he he's stumped as well you know, I would maybe. have a, I would have a really hard time because it has to you know it has to have a story arc resonance that goes along with the other two and it would have to be a little more rushed because it would only have one movie to do the this character's story arc and unless it was Luke it would have to be you know what the story you know what it would have to be Luke Luke would have to be the main character of it because as Darth Vader's, you know, was through the six movies, Luke could be through the, through four through nine, you know, and it could, well, not, it would not necessarily, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, Vader was the main character, but Vader also started out as a child, so I mean, would the new character of, of this next thing, would it be Luke, or would it be... I would say well, yeah. it would have to be Luke. It would have to be Luke because it, then it would because the whole thing has to reflect back on itself. It has it all reflects back on itself. So what you have is the original trilogy in the middle, and then two reflections of it sort right. of bounced off in either direction. If you can picture that. So are you saying 
It would have to be. It would have to be Vader from child to death in six movies, and then Luke from child to death in six movies. In six movies, and but where would Luke go? He'd have to be. He'd have to by the end of the next movie. He'd have to or by the end of the next trilogy. There would have to be some closure with to, Luke. with Luke to that to that story, and maybe it would end with Luke being on Tatooine. Although. Who wants to go back there? I don't want to see Tatooine exactly, again. Exactly, exactly. But you know that's probably you know, but it's got to reflect somehow, and it would be. I don't know where 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 does where does Luke have to go? You know, character arc wise, the only place he really has to go is evil, and that's no good. That's too e- easy and obvious. Right, it also but, doesn't make much sense, and it also doesn't make any sense. Well, I know that I said I didn't want to see them fighting remnants of the Empire, and I think we're both agreed on that, but I almost wonder, you know, they're getting some mileage out of the Clone Wars, in a, in a good way. I almost wonder if maybe you could have an undefined threat by having, you know, Post Jedi, the Empire's gone. The Jedi had, you know, they were already gone, so they'd fallen, which were, they were kind of the glue that held everything together. What if now, 20 years later, shit's just totally fallen into chaos and you've got just a giant civil war, a civil, a, a giant power struggle on your hand that has degenerated into a, like a civil war free for all? And right. the galaxy's just totally tore up. And there's not really a defined enemy because everybody's fighting everybody. Right, and and you know the 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 rebels, the the rebellion, wasn't really a very large group anyway. Oh. You know, and and so basically they you know they beat the the empire by outwitting them. And well, and that was another thing that bugged me about all these expanded universe books is okay. So Leia and Mon Mothma and her people get together this band of rebels, right? They go out, they destroy the Empire, which, you know, evil as it was, had to be doing some... At least it was, uh, it was a government. It was a cohesive force that held the galaxy together. Now, what's to say that there's not somebody out there that goes, Well, who the fuck are these guys? They're going to knock down the Empire, and then they're going to go and set themselves up as a new government? You know, and they wouldn't be resentful of that. You know what I mean? I mean, it's right. like me It's like me going, all right, that's it. I'm fed up with this shit. I go to the White House, and I assassinate the president, and I go, all right, now everybody gather behind me. I'm your new president. Well, there's going to be a significant amount of the population that go, who the fuck is this guy? You know? And they might want to kill me, or you know, the country might degenerate into chaos because the established leadership is now gone. And so then right. you've got, you know, you've got other people vying for that power position. So I don't really, I never really bought that suddenly Leia and her people were going to become the new government and everybody else was just going to be okay with that just because they were the people that pulled the trigger on the empire. I mean, does that follow? 
I mean, is that how is that how empires fall and rise by yep. assassination? And, and, and then usually the people who take over follow the same course of corruption, you know, starting out one way, and then as they become, as you know, it's the power corrupts. It's absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, story, you know. I hope that, that's not going on. You know, now that I think about it, I think I have seen a series of books called something like the. The New Rebellion or something. I wonder if that's the story in those books, if maybe that exact scenario is being played out, you know, where somebody's going, you know, what, you know what, we're going we're, we're gonna to rebel against the rebels, you know, I, it I could don't know. Very, it could very well be, because that's, sort of, that's sort of a political cycle, you know, that's right. sort of a cycle of governments and politics. But the main thrusts of the story can't be political or or even historical it has to be sort of a human story you know it has to be a human being's progress through something you know so all that stuff can be playing out on the edges and contributing to it but it has to be a human it has to be luke has to have some sort of inner conflict that is reflected in the outer action And what hmm. that is, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know either. Well, if anybody has any ideas, two true freaks at gmail dot com. Maybe we can. Maybe we can uh, get a conversation. Go. Maybe we can uh, do a continuation of this later on when some when we get some story ideas. Well, let's take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll wrap this up by. Uh, by speculating on uh, the future of the the Star Wars uh, franchise. Sounds good to me. Okay, we'll be right back. Now, it's here. The excitement, the adventure of a new force at breakfast. We'll call them C-3PO's. New C-3PO cereal from Kellogg's. Twin rings, face together. For two crunches in every double O. A delicious part of this nutritious breakfast. Now you can experience the taste of Kellogg's C-3PO's. A crunchy new force at breakfast. May the force be with you. You're right. back. We're back, and I was—I just realized that we had a good foundation for starting to write a script for Episode Seven. And if we had other people throwing out ideas, and especially other Star Wars fans, we could probably come up with a better script than Lucas. <laughs> but we could never sell it to him because it would be completely pre-spoiled, you know. The entire story would be available to the public long before he could make it to a movie, as if that would be a possibility. But that well, every, stop everything's us from... spoiled now, anyway. Yeah. So, I but, mean, you know, look at all the things that come out now, and you know, you know, you know, most of the major plot points before the thing is, you know, even in pre-production, it's ridiculous. Half the previews they make t will give you the entire you know, story of the film from beginning to end. This know? is true. This is true. That's kind of a, a, a sad reality in this in this day uh -huh. and age. As much as I love movie trailers and as much as some of them really work me up and, and get me excited, you know, there 
they really do. A lot of them kind of kind of spoil things for you. Not to mention the fact that there's a lot of them where I, I like the trailer a hell of a lot more than I like the finished product. Oh sure. <laughs> but uh, speaking of, of uh, speaking of trailers, uh, I have to say I've really liked the trailers I've seen so far for the for the new Star Wars movie for the Clone Wars movie. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen both of them, and I I like both of them. The first trailer I saw was a long time ago. I saw it on YouTube. And it had a lot of battle in it. It had a lot, mm-hmm. like a lot of like Obi Wan Kenobi jumping from flying, you know, um, from uh, battle droid on a step to battle droid on a step, just like destroying them. Sort of like the sort of like the um, battles you saw in the original Cl- Clone Wars cartoon, except right. it was in 3D rendered CG. And it looked really neat. And then the second one I saw seemed to have a little more of just, like, dialogue in it. And some good shots of, like, backgrounds with spaceships flying in them. Which is funny because the backgrounds and the spaceships look like they're... They probably used the same software right out of the movies, you know, to generate all that stuff. So they look very realistic, but the characters are very stylized. And of course, Jabba the Hutt's in it. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Story about that. concerns Jabba the Hutt, but they've sort of worked the Hutts as being like a sort of you've got all the, the Hutts being sort of the the power of the underworld. So the Hutts are a major power because they're the organized crime. But geez, you'd think there'd be more than one race of organized crime well, in that- the galaxy. With that, that place, that's yeah, exactly, yeah. It's well, I mean, they could do, uh, they could do. What's his name? The the prince from, what was that book? Oh shit, I can't think of it. It's not shat. Is it Shadows of the Empire? Yeah, Shadows of the Empire. Did you ever read that? No, I didn't. It was a. It was I started a bo- reading that one. That's what pretty much made me not want to read any of the other ones. It was not bad. I mean, it was one of the better ones. I liked it because it took place between Empire and Jedi, which is probably my favorite Star Wars era. Oh, maybe that's not the one I read then. It must have been the one I read was post Jedi. No, read this half one, of. No, this one was this one was set like immediately after the end of Empire. And I couldn't tell you now what the hell it was all about, other than it had this prince guy in it, Prince Shizor, or whatever his name was, and he was like a, he was like one of Jabba's rivals, I think, or something, he had some like criminal empire thing, and I'm sorry, I can't remember more of the details, it it was good, I, I liked it because it was treated as if it were actually a Star Wars movie, without a Star Wars movie. I mean, there was a book, there was a video game, there were comics, there was right. a soundtrack. You had everything you would have if there was a new Star Wars movie, except there wasn't actually a movie. So, it, But it was neat. I mean, it was handled, you know, as part of the canon and all that. But I liked it because this guy was like... He was like a gangster who wanted to replace Vader in the... Emp- he wanted to be the, emp- the Emperor's new right-hand man, and he... Uh-huh. he Vader came into conflict because, you know, Vader was, you know, the right-hand man because he was a Sith Lord. This guy was wanted to be the right-hand man because he was Al Capone, you know, so it was that kind of thing. And 
So, you know, I wouldn't see them, I wouldn't mind seeing them use, use that guy or, or you know, a, 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 you know, a reasonable facsimile of that guy. And, you know, because that thing with Jabba plays back into two things that I don't want to see anymore in Star Wars. I don't want to see any more original trilogy characters transposed into the prequel trilogy universe. I'm, I'm tired of it. We got Jabba and Chewie and Yoda and all these people that, you, you know, you had mentioned earlier. And I... Yeah, Chewie and Yoda know each other? Yeah, yeah, I didn't care for that what, either. What a coincidence that is. Hey, and Luke and Chewie know each other, but from a t- completely different... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and the biggest thing is... God, God damn, I don't want to see Tatooine again. I mean, if we're, if we're involving Jabba, it's already been established in Episode 1 that Jabba's on Tatooine... So does that mean we're going to Tatooine again? You know, for a seventh, or, well, let me see, sixth time out of seven movies? I mean, come on. I mean, really? I mean, I, I'm, I'm tired of Tatooine. Uh, really, I am. I'm sick of it. So, You'd I don't know. You'd think they'd I, be sick of shooting in Tunisia, too, which is such a crappy environment to be in. Well, I mean, you know, they're, well, this one's going to be computer-generated, yeah. so. But yeah, I, I I see what you mean. Well, that that too. I mean, what do you think of that? What do you what do you think of the computer animated thing? Um, I have no problem with it. It's uh, isn't it supposed to be in three D also. So, oh, is it? Oh, I, I had so. Heard that. I know. I know. I had heard that they were going back and doing. I don't know if it's all six or just the original trilogy, but I had heard that they were going to three D up. Yes, that's Star Wars movies that's like they for sure. They, yeah, they did that with Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. I missed that, but I heard that it was excellent. I heard it was I heard really it was, too. But uh, I don't hate the computer animated thing. I'm not crazy about the really weird kind of art style they're doing. Yeah. And I would much rather they had just taken the Clone Wars, you know, the, uh, the Cartoon Network Clone Wars look and just done it that way as traditional animation, but I don't hate the computer stuff. I mean, I, I think it's cool looking. I think it'll work. I just kind of wish they'd done the, you know, the the animated style from the from the TV show. Well, we'll see how it looks when it gets on the screen, because you know Lucas, he monkeys around with that stuff till the very oh, end, I- and a lot of what a lot of the shots we see might be unfinished or like not as as subtly rendered as they'll end up on the screen. So. You know, we'll see how it we'll see how it ends up being. I mean, you he always you're always guaranteed a quality product. You know, technically at least. And hopefully, uh, and this this one has the sort of problem that, that we were talking about with the other books is is you know there's certain characters. Most of the characters we know aren't gonna die. <laughs> Because it's all it's all between episode two and three, right? So we you know we we, we know Mace Windu's not going anywhere, Yoda, any of them. Yeah, I wondered what how you felt about that—the fact that for the first time, you know, we're we're stepping backwards, right? You know, into into a story that now we know can you know. Granted, going back and doing the prequel trilogy, we were stepping backwards, but we didn't have every detail filled in. Now we know exactly how this story yes. is going to play out. What do you think about that? Well, I think basically 
this movie is going to be a kickoff for the TV series. Right. Which will be like that. You know, it'll probably be computer generated. And, uh, but just not as, but this one will have more dollars per second up on the screen. So it'll be really impressive. But it won't be, it, it, I, you know, I'm hoping that it introduces a cup, enough new characters to keep it interesting. But, you know, there's not going to be much suspense to it, so I hope there's a lot of action. I hope they keep the action moving. If they keep the action moving and really just exciting, and they keep the characters, um, I wouldn't say light, but a little, you know, more amusing. If they keep the interactions between the characters amusing and not that dry delivery of the first three of the first three movies, you know, the just sort of a hall, the Jedi sort of, you know, talk in that sort of condescending, pricky, monotone way. Right. I hope there's, a, I hope there's a little more just sort of loose and fun dialogue and people having more fun with their voices since they're being voice actors in this one. And I wonder if it's going to have Ewan McGregor in it and, uh, and, um, What's his name? Uh, I don't think so. Christian Haydenson. Christian Haydenson. I don't think so. I don't. I could. I'm almost positive it's not, but I I, I can't say for sure. But I, I like the fact that this movie really. I mean, from what I see of the ads, anyway, we'll see. We'll see when we get to the the actual film. But it looks to me like it's set up to give me exactly what I want out of the prequel Star Wars universe, which is just, you know, the kick at the best parts of my favorite movie of the prequel trilogy, which was uh, the middle one, uh, Attack of the Clones. I mean, for me, I, I can give you my, my favorite moment out of the entire trilogy was it starts when... After Yoda's come down with the clone troopers in those Republic gunships, and he picks up the Jedi, from that moment until the moment that they get dropped off just prior to the the lightsaber battle with Dooku, that entire battle sequence on that planet, um, Geonosis, that whole sequence, that's my favorite part. Because there's no bullshit. There's no story... There's no fight. There's no cheesy-ass dialogue. It's just one hellacious kick-ass special effects bonanza battle. And that's what I want from Star Wars. I think you're going to get it in this one. I think there'll be a lot of that in this one. I think there'll be some cheesy kitty stuff. Because Lucas feels he's got to put it in there. And it's a cartoon. But I think there'll be some pretty much, yeah... And I think it'll be a little. I think it'll be a little more over the top than the movie version of it too. I don't mind that. That's well. They've got to, uh, you know, they've got to keep raising the bar, you know. Now, aren't the people that were doing the Clone Wars cartoon? Aren't they basically the same people doing this, except they're just now doing it computer generated? Well, I know. I remember when they wrapped episode three that all the computer animators were 
basically tap to say, hey, look, don't go anywhere. If you guys want to stay, we got more Star Wars-related work for you. So basically, right off the bat, Lucas was planning more more Star Wars in some way. And in and, whatever way it was, it was going to involve the computer animators. Which could mean anything. It could have meant a new, you know, episode 7. It could have meant what it eventually meant was Clone Wars. And then he was talking about a TV show. And I think what happened is they started making the TV show and then started saying, Hey, look, you know, we could probably get this TV show going by putting it out as a movie. You know? And, and if the movie's really good... Probably if the... It, whether the movie's really good or really bad, I don't think it will even affect how much money it'll make or how much money a TV show based on it would make because I think you're guaranteed I'm going to watch it you oh know, yeah I'm going to check it out it would have to be just horribly inco- it would have to be you know Star Wars holiday special incompetent for me to just go okay I'm not going to watch any more of this if 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 Lucas Lucas film is involved, although I have to say I haven't seen all the Ewok movies, <laughs> and Lucas and Lucas film and ILM were involved in all those, and they were fairly horrible for the most yeah, part. Those to me, you know, those are easy to discount because they don't they don't involve the you know they don't affect yeah. the overall arc. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean that they're they're totally off on the periphery. So I mean, if if those stories ended with every single character dead, they'd be a still lot better. W- well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it, it, you know, ultimately, you know, it wouldn't matter because it, it it never tied in anyway. You know, Luke's not in it. You know, the droids, nobody, and and right. that that is why. You know, I'm not surprised that even your most diehard of Star Wars fan has never seen them because they don't they don't affect the overall universe, you know what I mean? Yeah, and they're, they're, unless you care about what happens to Wicket and Logray and No, I don't. <laughs> no, and who does? No, I, I could give it a shit less, honestly. It's just basically it was another it was another movie that gave midgets work. Basically, <laughs> sci-fi. Sci-fi is the the home or little people. Sorry, fidgets. Can I say fidgets? Can I use that term? I always kind of imagine that like the Ewok population would like slowly start to mysteriously decline, and they couldn't figure out what the hell was going on, why why these Ewoks were just kind of, like, vanishing, and then it, it turns out that, like, Chewie was secretly eating them. Yeah, yeah, he developed a taste for them because he got lost <laughs> in the woods once, and he had to eat his Ewok guide, and he was like, hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> just started slowly polishing them off. That would be great. It would sort of be a Hannibal Lecter sort of story. Yeah. I think it could work. The silence, I think it could work. The silence of the Ewoks. Well, yeah, he's probably hungry. You know, he got he got cheated out of that, you know, funny rabbit-looking thing that was on a stick, you know, where they... <laughs> yeah. You know, so, I mean, you know, friggin' Ewoks are... Wookiee's hungry, you know? Yeah, and he doesn't I mean, forget, you know. he, he They might have thought it was funny at, the, at that point, but, you know, 
Yeah. Who's laughing now, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh... All I can see is, like, a big pile of Wookiee shit with, like, that little bone that was through, like, the (laughs) the chief's nose, you know? Have you seen... Have you seen the the, uh, YouTube video of Chewie and the Ewok sitting on a log taking a shit together? No. You've got to see it. It's very. If you've ever heard the the bear and the rabbit joke of them bear and the rabbit shitting together in the woods, then it's very predictable. But if you've never heard that joke, then then you'll get a real kick out of it. I got a kick. Oh yes, I've heard that joke, but now I got to see the video. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's hysterical. Even you know, even knowing the joke, just waiting for the punchline was still funny. But yeah, that's that's a very funny video. I saw that not long ago for the first time. But uh. That still fits in the Star Wars continuity, too. <laughs> Put that right in the canon right there. <laughs> I'd like to see somebody splice that into it. I wonder if Lucas approved it, yeah. <laughs> it could be done. I want to I I see that spliced in. <laughs> we'll call it, yeah, it'll be the Phantom Edit of Return of the Jedi. Splice it in after the credits, you know, like like that like that Nick Fury scene, you know. Splice it into the end of uh, of Return of the, you know, after the 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 big celebration and all the fireworks and Luke sees his father and all that. Then you got the the credits, and then after the credits, you know, there's you know Chewie going into the woods to take a shit with an Ewok. Huh? <laughs> I think it works. I'd like to see that special edition. Well, getting back to the the future of the franchise, uh, are they still planning this second TV show, this live-action show? Oh, well, yeah, I think so. He's been talking about that for a while. That's what I'm thinking this is going to lead into. I think it's going to be a sort of continuation of the movie, whether it's live-action or computer-generated or a combination of both. It's probably going to have a lot of the same characters in it, I would assume. Or maybe they're going to introduce characters in this movie that we're, end up, we're going to end up seeing in the TV show. My impression was that they were going to be two pretty distinct entities. That the, that the, the, TV sh- the animated TV show was going to be set firmly between episodes 2 and 3 with the Clone Wars... And then the live action show was going to be set between three and four in that nineteen to twenty year gap. Oh. That that's what I had thought. Oh, anyway. that sounds interesting. Yeah, I'll be into that. We'll see. I don't. I you know I don't have as much faith in the TV show because it's hard. You know, even for Lucas, it'll be hard to keep a TV show go. TV shows. TV's ruthless, and it's. And it's hard to maintain a high quality of a TV show week after week after week. You know, to keep it up to that Lucasfilm quality means a lot of money, which means it's less profitable, potentially, than other shows, even if it gets a lot of, you know, unless it totally dominates the ratings... And, you know, just to be brutally honest, you know, the stuff that totally dominates ratings now is stupid American Idol and, yeah. you know, dance con- is dancing with the stars and stuff like that. Couldn't agree more. And, uh, 
I mean, I really don't watch a whole lot of TV because most of it, quite honestly, I think is shit. So I don't yeah. watch a whole lot of television. And what I watch is kind of off the beaten path. So I don't know. I mean, it makes me nervous only in the sense that Clone Wars works for me. It, 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 Clone Wars... Now, I'm talking the, the Cartoon the Network cartoon. animated series. Yeah, I, th- I really liked it. Oh, I enjoyed the hell out of it because it speaks right to my Star Wars geekness. Yes. It's, it's that right in the era that I like best in Star Wars. It plays with most of the characters I like best. It uses an animation style I really, really enjoyed. And because they were all shorts, they didn't have time to fuck around with a lot of stupid shit. Yeah. I mean, it pretty much had to nail the, the, the moments, you know? It had to have action, action, action. It didn't have to time to dawdle with a bunch of goofy story and a lot of goofy one-liners and a lot of little goofy Ewok moments. I mean, it pretty much had to be action, and it had to just move from A to B to C. And I like that. And that's what scares me about the live action show is if if it's going to be live action it's going to be you know episodic and it's probably going to be an hour then they will have time to inject more that bullshit and that worries me and what really worries me honestly i don't I, i i don't have a list you know of what I want to see, but I've got a very long list of what I don't want to see. <laughs> and what I don't want to see, I'm serious, man. I don't want anybody, anybody from the 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 original trilogy. I don't want to fucking see baby Luke. I don't want to see little seven-year-old Han. Yeah. I don't want to see what's going on with Leia. I don't want anybody from the original. I want it to be original. I want it to be, you know... Now, I've heard that Boba Fett might be fuck. I can deal with Boba Fett. You know, he didn't get enough face time yeah, in, in any Boba of the Fett movies. Anyway. I could deal with... No, what I meant with by not original trilogy, I meant the big character. I, I meant the big guys. Because yeah. I know that there's going to be a horrible temptation to inject baby Luke or young Han in the... I, I just... I don't want that. I don't... Just leave him out of it. Yeah. I don't want to see that. Give me the characters that you teased me with. That you know, Dengar. What did Dengar get? Like, you know, thirty minutes or you know, thirty seconds of screen time. Give me an IG eighty eight episode. Let me see how much of a badass you know assassin yeah. droid he is. Give me a Bosk episode. You know, uh, yeah. There's. I'm, I know I'm forgetting somebody, but you know, give me give me Grand Moff Tarkin's backstory. You know. Give me a... Oh, I don't know. There's got to be other people. Give me a, a, a General Riken story. Um, <laughs> I mean, sir, I mean, you know, he's got to have something to say. You know, I mean, I don't care. I just, I don't want, I don't want the main yeah. guy. Khan, Leia, they're, man, they're off. Chewy, I don't want to see Chewy. Those guys are off limits. The, their story's been told. I know what happens to them. I know where they come from, where they're going. So I don't need to see them. I don't need to see some contrived plot. Right, working. to get them in there. Yeah. Because right. that's how it'll come off. It, it, it's it's like when they did Next Generation stories. And they got with the Scotty original, in it. Yeah. yeah. You know, great episode. 
but it was really contrived. And it's been once you've done a story like that, it, that's it. You can't ever do it again because then every time you do it afterwards, it, it's it's just gonna feel like all right, I've seen this, you know. And this is Star Wars. Star Wars to me is the definition of wow. I've never seen this before, and that's what I want from. Any Star Wars that I get, that's what I want, is, wow, I've never seen this before. So I really don't want them to, to rely on traditional episodic television. I want them to reinvent television with this show. <laughs> yeah, that's a tall order. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, you know, he reinvented the movies with Star Wars, the, the movie. I want to see a reinvention of television, science fiction television with Star Wars, the TV show. I'd like to see it, too. You know what? I'm not going to hold my breath, though. <laughs> I refuse to hold my breath. Well, you but know, I'd, I'm not... I'd I would love to see that. God knows TV needs a reinvention right about now. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I, I, I'm not asking... Uh... Oh, what's the... Uh, I just ruined my own joke because I can't think of the guy's name. Well, who was the guy that took over for Roddenberry off of Star Trek? You, you know I'm talking about? I can't think of his name. Believe I'm drawing a blank, but it's not like I'm asking that guy to reinvent TV. I'm asking George Lucas. Now I know the guy's taking a beating for not having it anymore, and blah blah blah. I don't really buy. I I think the man's got it. I think he's a little eccentric, but I still think he's a genius. I still think he can pull it off. I know it's a hell of a tall order, but you know. This guy, you know, he, he, he's an Edison of our time in a, in, a, in a movie sense. I think he's got it in him. I want to see a reinvention of science fiction television. Because in my, you know, like you said, I, I, think, I think we've been in a real dry spell. I mean, there's been a couple bright, bright lights. You know, we've had Heroes. We've had, uh, I think the new Terminator show is pretty good. But and I mean, I haven't seen Battlestar Galactica, but yeah, I'm heard, telling you, it's thanks. fantastic. I think once I'm finally uh, through what I'm watching at the moment, I, I think I'll, I think I will be checking out Battlestar because everybody says that it's very worth it, and it, it actually keeps up a high. It's that's one that does keep up a high level of of consistency from episode to episode, and always looks good. You know, it, it looks cinematic every episode. You know, it doesn't look like that made-for-TV look for the most part. Which is well, impressive and expensive. Yeah, I, I really want to see. I, I heard that a lot of the uh, the the later Star Trek guys, you know, guys from uh, from like Next Generation and stuff, were doing some of the writing on that. So I'm I'm curious. I, I really am curious to check it out. I, I'm sad now that I was dismissive of it when it came out because it's weird. When it came out, I immediately dismissed it when I learned that that. It was not a continuation of the TV show, which mystifies me because I hated the original TV show. So I don't know why I dismissed it as not being connected. That That's a weird hypocrisy, I guess. But I did, and now I regret it because everybody says it's great. So. It's really good. So I, I hope, you know, I do intend to check it out, and I hope I like it. I hope it hasn't been built up to me so much that I watch it and go, well, I don't get what the appeal is or something. But I am I am planning I to check will. it out. Um, I think that about wraps us up on this one. Let's, For this uh, week, yeah. 
Let's plan to reconvene on this subject after we've seen the new movie and uh, and share our thoughts and, and what we think about it. Yeah, and uh, and anybody who has any uh, any um, ideas to help us get through our dead ends for story ideas for episode seven, send them in. We'll start getting a working script together. <laughs> Mail it in to Lucas. <laughs> and uh, next time, what are we doing next time? Neglected <gasps> movies and TV shows? Yes, yes, yes. On this subject, we will basically, we'll spotlight some of our favorite movies that we feel like have kind of gotten ripped by the critics, you know, and and, and just kind of gotten short shrift, or mo- movies that maybe you've never even checked out because of, uh, you know, you didn't hear about it, or you heard that it sucked, or whatever, and, and we'll be spotlighting uh, movies and TV shows on that on that theme. Yeah, it's going to be hard for me to decide which ones <laughs> which ones to choose from from the vast universe of them that I am familiar with. So that that's going to be the hardest part picking and choosing, you know, which one which ones I can talk about. <laughs> I mean, I could we could we could do five shows on this. So we'll We'll edit it down to the gravy, so this show will be like a diamond of compressed brilliance and knowledge. Oh my god, you are setting me up for such a fall. <laughs> yeah. That- Alright, well I think that about wraps us up for this time. Um, we are Two True Freaks, I'm Scott Gardner. And I'm Chris Honeywell. And it's good talking to you, Freak. Good talking to you, Freak. Two hours on Star Wars, just a just a drop in the bucket. <laughs>